G'day, and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are currently in a series called The Fellowship of the Gospel, and we are focused on Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you're able to apply these words to your life. God bless you. Philippians chapter 4, starting from verse 2, and this is a really interesting start to this chunk, because uh, he's just naming names. Um, so you can perhaps picture the scenario. So Paul has written this letter, um, and generally, or he definitely has written it from prison, uh, it arrives in Philippi, and it's time for the first reading of Paul's letter to the Philippian church, and so the church gathers together, and they're ready. They're ready to hear um, what Paul says, he's the one that first, you know, a couple of others are first to arrive in Europe, uh, to arrive in the city of Philippi um, and to preach the gospel. Uh, and in fact, oh, we've just had International Women's Day, like there was key women, like right from the start. And so you had Lydia, who was the first convert, and she was the one that went um, and her whole family came to faith. Uh, then you had this um, young girl who was the first to be delivered from a demon, um, in that area, um, and yeah, so women played a prominent role. And then you have these two women that are called out at the start of his letter. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I wonder how Yodia and Syntyche were feeling in that moment as they get called out in this letter by Paul. Interesting names, by the way. Yodia actually contains all five vowels, only one consonant. And then Syntyche only has one vowel, and the rest of her name are just is consonants. Uh, you're welcome. Any Wordle um, enthusiasts in the, in the house today? <laughs> Both are longer than five letters, so they, they don't actually work. But um, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. We find out as we continue to read that these weren't just two people um, who were kind of outsiders that are doing the wrong thing, like they are very much insiders. Because as we continue to read, it says, verse 3, Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side. So Yodia and Syntyche have contended for the gospel at Paul's side, along with Clement. So Clement gets a mention, um, and then I just wonder... How, they, how Clement would have felt at that moment. It's like, what's coming next? He's mentioned my name. Am I going to be told off as well? Um, but Paul is so eager to see unity within the church that he's willing to have, you know, to actually call it out. I urge Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And then true partner, whoever true partner is, it's Syzygis. You might have Syzygis in your um, translation or as a footnote, um, which they assume is not his actual name, that it's actually somebody else uh, that's known to the Philippian church. We don't know who it is now, but there's a few different guesses of who it might be, someone like Luke perhaps. Um, but this person who has been tasked with helping these women, help these women who have contended. I love that word contended. Like this is warfare. 
So they have been at war with Paul for the gospel. And they have done that at his side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are, I wonder if that was a moment where I was like, oh, will I get a mention, will I get a mention, whose names are in the book of life. But how much better to be in the book of life than in the book of Philippians, hey? Often we want to be called out in different settings, but how good that he is the one that knows our name. He knows how many hairs are on our head. Yeah, I know it's challenging with me. He knows details, intimate details about us and our names. If we have said yes to Jesus, we've repented and believed, we're in his family, and names are written in the book of life. And that is a remarkable thing. And I believe that the rest of this that we're going to read today really comes back to this appeal to Yodia and to Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And the rest of it is the how to actually do that. If we are to actually get along and do what we are called to do, actually agreeing in the Lord, some work needs to be done. Like for us to be a unified church where we are one heart, one mind, then the capital C church, like across the world, absolutely we need work. But even us as outpost, like we need work to be of one heart and one mind and to agree in the Lord. And we need to be active in this. And, and whether it's just acknowledging that there is something between us and someone else, or whether it is being that peacemaker, like true um, partner is in this case, where you're helping others to reconcile it is such an important thing. But we step through from verse 4. And we have something that we've heard before in this letter. Rejoice in the Lord. But this time he adds another word. What's the next word? Always. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. You go back to the previous chapter and it kicks off with the reality that this is a safeguard for us. So Paul says, it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. Like rejoice in the Lord, no trouble for me. And it's a safeguard for you. If we rejoice in the Lord, it is putting our ultimate joy and everything on Him. Because He's the only one that can bear that weight. Nothing else we try and rejoice in can actually bear the weight of our need but he can. And if we rejoice in the Lord, we're actually going to find more joy in those other things. You're going to find a lot more joy in food if you're rejoicing in the Lord rather than you're trying to rejoice in food and everything's focused on that. You will rejoice in the small things, the peripheral things, because you're rejoicing in him. And that word always is so key. It's not just when you're feeling that. It's not just in those moments when it's easy to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. So for Yodia, for Syntyche, for Syzygis, for all of us, for Clement, all of us to rejoice in the Lord is a game changer. Let us rejoice in the Lord always. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Other translations say gentleness. And both of those words are really helpful in understanding what this is trying to get across. Let your graciousness or your gentleness be known to everyone. 
wear a t-shirt that says, I am gracious. That should cover it. Obviously, this is what we demonstrate. This is how people receive us. What it's like to be on the other side of us is for someone to receive grace upon grace, to receive gentleness from us. I mentioned as we were about to have communion that the phrase that's jumped out at me from this chunk is the Lord is near. So we've just been told to be, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. I recall um, just recently I was driving um, in Victor Harbour and both of my taillights were not working to my shame. Um, and I'd seen Repco, I'm like, I'm going to get my taillights fixed. Um, and so I was driving in, and just at the moment I was about to turn left. It was like left off of, um, off of this main road and then left again into Repco. And as I was about to turn left off of the main road, I looked up behind me and I saw there was a police car behind me. And I turned left and the police car turned left as well. Then I turned left into Repco. And then I parked and I looked around, couldn't see the police car. And I just wonder, if I hadn't have turned into Repco in that moment, would I have been pulled over and given a decent fine? Quite possibly. Um, but it reminded me of another time when there was a police car following me. And it was as an 18-year-old um, in the first car that um, I owned. And um, I was at youth group and asked a couple of friends to come with me to go buy some cough lollies uh, at the servo after youth group. So we went off. Um, and I've got a few people here that have been youth leaders under me at this same youth group um, tonight. So this is an interesting story to tell. Um, but with these two friends on the way back, I uh, did a lap and a half around the um, roundabout and had a bit of fun on the second half of the, um, of the trip. And as we're driving and about to turn back into the, um, the church car park, in fact, we're turning um, the one turn before turning onto the church car park, Someone, the person in the back, noticed the police car that was following us. And I can tell you that the way I drove those last 500 meters was very different to how I'd been driving prior to that. There was something about knowing the nearness of the police officers who were behind me uh, that, that changed my demeanor and changed how I went about things. And I think you can see where I'm going with this. When we appreciate that the Lord is near, it is going to affect how we treat one another. Like when we get the weight of knowing, like something that I, I've done a little bit with my kids. Um, I think I heard, I'm, in fact, I'm, I know I heard someone else talk about doing this, and I don't know if it's a good thing or not. Um, but when one of my kids hurts another one of my kids, what I've done from time to time is just, I'll get them to say sorry to me for what they've done to my son or my daughter and just giving them a different perspective so when you hurt your sister or your brother you've hurt me by hurting my child and just getting across the significance and the weight of this through the relationship that is there and we are going to be more gracious when we understand that the lord is near i'm going to be more gracious towards elo when I get a bit of a glimpse at the father's heart for his beautiful daughter. Because he loves her. He delights in her. 
She is his absolute pride and joy. And how could I treat this princess in the best way? Don't use all the other unhelpful stuff that can be attached to the word princess. But an actual princess, like someone who has that high position. How could I not treat her as royalty and not honor her and not be gracious toward her? Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Why? And answer is, the Lord is near. And of all that we're covering today, the Lord is near is this overarching principle, I believe. And it doesn't depend upon anything else. We're going to get a whole bunch of instructions of things that we are to do. Yodia and Syntyche just got an instruction of what they are to do. But we're going to get a whole bunch, bunch of instructions of what we are to do. But whether or not we follow those things, this truth remains the same. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. On the other side of it, so you've got let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near is a very famous chunk of scripture. Don't worry about anything. That's a big statement. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, prayer, petition. What do you think of when you think of petition? Yeah, there's passion there. Yeah? Is a petition usually signed by one person? Usually petition has the idea of repetition. It could be one person just going over and over again. Yep. But it could be a whole bunch of people involved in it. So anytime you get the sense that you're bothering God, that you're annoying Him, that you're bringing this request to Him too much, just remember we're told, do, like, don't worry about anything. Other translations say, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, just so we know that we can keep going. It doesn't just have to be a one-time thing. And if we're still feeling anxious about it or still worrying about it, just take it to Him and do it again. Don't be down on yourself if you're feeling worried or feeling anxious. Just be like, oh, that's a prayer prompt. But as we do it, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So yes, we can keep coming at him. But we do it with a spirit of thanksgiving. And times will come where it's hard to say thank you. But rejoice in the Lord always. And present everything with thanksgiving. We have to do this all the time. And here's an amazing promise. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the Lord is near is a categorical statement and it is not dependent on anything but us having the peace of God that surpasses all understanding is dependent on us doing something. Don't be worried. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. As we do that, He responds to us. 
So our response to the reality that the Lord is near is that we pray. His response is he gives us peace. And this isn't even dependent upon us seeing the answer to the prayer that we're praying about. We can actually have peace even without seeing the answer. Before we've seen the answer, but even at times when we never see the answer to this thing that has worried us, we can still have peace. And that's an amazing thing. It's very good. Not being dependent upon anything else. Just the fact that we give it to him. It's a pretty good exchange. You give worry to him, he gives peace to you. I'll take that exchange any day of the week. And then, what an amazing thing we're called to do next. Another thing that's dependent upon us. It's this interesting tension where everything depends on him. Everything comes from him, it's through him, it's for him. But he's also given us some responsibilities. And did you know that you have more brain cells than there are people on this planet? That's a lot of brain cells. And the way they fire, the way they are connected to others, I'm trying to think of the stats. It's something like um, we could power like a switchboard for all of um, New York City. A switchboard powerful enough to do like the telephone exchange and stuff for all of New York City in terms of what's going on there electrically in our brain. Like it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous what goes on in our minds. And it's a fascinating field of study to look at the human brain and what the human brain is capable of and what it does. We have been given a remarkable gift and yet there's AI and there's some incredible stuff that's going on but we will never be able to reproduce the human brain. And yet we're going to do some amazing things and we haven't seen nothing yet in some ways. But you can't compete with what God has made. And it's inside your head. Like your brain is a remarkable thing. But what he calls us to do is to choose what we focus on. Like we've been told we have the mind of Christ. That's remarkable right there. And it's one of those times where it is us. Like it's said, you have the mind of Christ. But in the Aussie, it's yous. Yous have the mind of Christ. Like together, we possess the mind of Christ. And that's an amazing privilege that we together have the mind of Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, and then this list of things that we are to focus on. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, it's a pretty good list, isn't it? True, honorable, just whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So one of the things in there is, is lovely. And I absolutely love this place that I get to live in, in McLaren Vale. And I love going, running, and just being able to see the beautiful surrounds. 
And God has just done it over and over and over again. Like what he has made is lovely and delightful. And here we are encouraged to dwell on these things. Like dwell on the lovely. Spend time just appreciating beauty. Anyone here enjoy God's creation? Yeah, I see those hands and the nods for people that are a little bit shy. That's okay. You're still welcome here. How good. Like dwell on these things. We are to take ownership. Like you're probably familiar with that verse, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Like we have been given responsibility over what we think about. And I'm not speaking as someone who has nailed this. Like it is two years ago today, pretty much. Um, I had the biggest breakdown of my life. Um, and I'd burn out and just struggle with a whole bunch of things. And my thought life I found so challenging. And there are things that we can do that helps in that space. Um, so one thing for me has been the Sabbath and just implementing that, and that has helped in this space. But we need to take ownership over our thoughts. And let's focus on these things that we're told to focus on. And the viewing habits of most Christians, not very different to the viewing habits of most non-Christians. And like what we're uh, binging on is horrible. Like it is stuff that you might be able to distance yourself from to a certain extent, but it's going to take a toll. It is obvious when you read stuff like this that the opposite is also true. When we're told that we are to dwell on what is lovely, we are not to dwell on what is not lovely and what is not honourable and what is not true. So let's take ownership and authority in this space. And not just as a thing of like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, what are we replacing it with? And that's a key thing in this time of Lent where it's good to say no to something, but it's really important we say a bigger yes to something that's, that's better. And we focus on that yes. And we say, I choose that I'm actually going to spend time investing in this. And I referenced that before, but we are basically biblically illiterate as a people. Like, we don't know our Bibles as we ought to. And we have this incredible resource and, you know, we're told to hide the word in our hearts. Does anyone know what the next part of that is? I hid your word in my heart. Yeah. It has repercussions. It has benefits. So as we do these things, it actually changes us and it shapes us. The Lord is near regardless of what we choose to do. But let's read this next verse where Paul talks about the example that he gives. It's a bold statement. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. So we go back a few verses and we're told that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And now that phrase is flipped around. So we're not just given an attribute of God, a blessing from God, 
but God himself. It's one thing for the Lord to be near. Like that can be a frightening reality. We're told even in the New Testament, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It can be a frightful thing that the Lord is near. But it's a delightful thing that the God of peace will be with you. In both senses of with you, he's near you, but he's with you like he's for you. Like with you in that sense, wants the best for you and knows what that is and is powerful enough to achieve it. I've been really challenged on memorizing scripture. And sometimes, like, I memorized a heap of scripture in my early 20s. And I memorized the book of Philippians in the old NIV. And it used to be my practice that I would memorize or at least try to memorize a passage before I preached on it. And I've just got slack. I remember my dad saying, or I remember having a conversation with my dad um, and saying to him, oh, remember that time you told me that I need to read a passage a, a hundred times um, before I preach on it? And he's like, no, I never said that. And I was like, no, you said I've got to read a passage a hundred times before I preach on it. He goes, no, I said 50. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but praise God that I had a dad <laughs> who instilled that in me and if I got the numbers wrong, it was actually for my benefit. Um, but this has been something this past week in a slightly different translation than what I'm familiar with, but to commit this to memory and to spend more time just focused on the text rather than, all right, what am I going to say about this? What stories and anecdotes am I going to use and how are we going to apply it? It's like, let's just let the text speak for itself. Let's give a chance for God to speak in this. And I'm so challenged by that last verse because Paul says it a number of different times. You know, follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ and, and similar phrases to that. It's a bold statement because one, you have to be living the kind of life that should be imitated. But second... People have got to know you well enough and have sufficient access to your life to be able to see it. And so he lists off, the, lists off those different things, what you've learned and received and heard from me. And so you like learned, okay, that, that's kind of a scholarly thing, so it could be things that he's just taught, received. Again, yeah, probably could be more that way, heard, yeah. But the seen in me part... It has to be what he's lived out. It has to be what they've seen him live out. And so for us, we need to, if we're going to have this kind of unity that Paul's talking about, we need to spend enough time with each other to actually see each other's lives. And the people that we would naturally spend so much time with, like our family, like our workmates, schoolmates, that our lives would 
actually reflect Jesus and his life. That's what we're called to do, is that we could say these kind of words with Paul. So we're given a whole bunch of things that we are to do. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. We are to let our graciousness be known to everyone. We are to not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We are to think upon, to dwell upon whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, that which has moral excellence and that which is praiseworthy. And we are to do the things that we know to do. But there are promises attached to these things. To have the peace of God and the God of peace with us is an absolute game changer. What difference does it make to us? That we're Christians. What difference does it make to us? That Jesus died for us to cleanse us, to remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. What difference does that make to us? I would hope it's everything. It makes an eternal difference. It makes a temporal difference to the here and now. We're going to sing a couple more songs. And I'll invite the band to come up. But I just want to give a minute or two uh, before we start singing just to reflect on this. Just read it through again. What jumps out at you? I've told you, for me, the Lord is near. Has just been burning in me. What is it for you? As you read the words of Scripture again, Father, speak to us by your Spirit. Speak to us in a way that will change us where we live different as a result. We need you. Thank you, Father. Amen. So take a, couple, a minute or two. Let's reflect.